Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-10. through 10. So far, we've noticed in the book of 2 Peter that Peter has told us that the apostolic testimony is trustworthy. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus in all his glory. And the message of Christ has been delivered to these apostles, so it's trustworthy. The Holy Spirit carried these people along, so the prophets of old were inspired by the Spirit. But also, the New Testament apostles have the message of Jesus, and it is trustworthy. And in chapter 2, he gets into a discussion of false teachers. And there's warnings about these teachers that will infiltrate the church in a fifth-column type of movement, trying to destroy the purity of the gospel from within. And now he turns to judgment. Now, some people would look at all of Second Peter as a warning type of, of book, and they probably would be right. There's a lot of warnings here. There's reasons for this. Maybe it's ominous what's on the horizon for the church. You know, the persecution of Nero is nigh, so Peter is a wise apostle, and he's thinking, you know, I need to prepare these people for what's coming. And so here in chapter 3, we get his teaching on the second coming of Christ. So once again, you're going to get this theme in the beginning of this passage about the trustworthy nature of the apostolic witness, but also the sureness of the coming of Jesus Christ. Let's read these 10 verses together from the English Standard Version. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through our apostles, or through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful passions and desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of the Lord. And that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heaven and the earth that that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Now, as we begin this passage, he says, okay, remember, this is the second time I've written you guys, and there's debate about what he means by the first letter, probably more than likely to be the book of 1 Peter. Bible scholars like to argue about obvious things sometimes, but it's probably the book of 1 Peter. And he's saying, look, I'm trying to stir up your conscience. I'm trying to get you to understand the ramifications for all of of what I've said so far. He said, remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Now, there could be predictions that he's talking about specifically about the the day of the Lord. Uh, You can look at places in the Old Testament, especially the minor prophets, that talk about the day of the Lord. So that could be what he's referring to. But this is something from the Old Testament maybe specific predictions about 
the last days or the coming of the Lord. Then he says, remember uh, the commandment of Jesus, your Lord and Savior. And so probably Jesus' warnings about the day of, of the Lord specifically. But notice it's spoken through the apostles. The apostles are the agents of the word of the Lord. So now we get the words of Jesus Christ through the apostles. When you look at the New Testament canon, most, if not all, of our New Testament books have some connection to apostolicity, to some apostle or a companion of an apostle. So we get the word of the Lord through the apostles. So you have, in, in some sense, the Old and New Testament represented here. You have the prophets of old and you have the apostles of the New Covenant. But then he goes on and says some things that maybe we've experienced in our own day and time. There are people that scoff and go, man, the, the world's really just kept going like it's always kept going. And you guys talk about this second coming, which seems kind of silly. Where is this second coming that you keep talking about? We, we don't really believe it's coming. We're skeptical. And so these are people that are ridiculing and making fun of Christians for their claim that Christ will return. Much like people made fun of Noah and the day of Noah. It looks like things are going to just continue to keep going as they're going. And it is really simple. Uh, a simpleton would only believe that Christ is going to return. Some you know, fundamentalist Christian, some crazy person, believes that Christ somehow will return and set this world to rights. And so they're asking the question, where, where is this coming, you guys have been talking about? Now he says, for ever since the fathers fell asleep. Now this could be the fathers of the Old Testament. This could be. Now, maybe a first generation of disciples of Jesus, we're not real sure. But someone in the past has fallen asleep, and it just appears that things just keep rocking along. And generations die, and generations are born, and the world just keeps going like it is. And it just seems like God's left us here to our own devices. And then he tells us something really interesting. He says that the earth was formed out of water. And it's through the word of the Lord. Now, that seems strange to us, but if you go back and look at the creation account, in the beginning, everything was a watery chaos. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God started to shape things from the water and brought forth land from the water. So the picture he's giving us of the great flood is, is one that's rooted in the book of Genesis. You have creation being formed from the waters. You have later in the time of Noah, the destruction of the water. So God keeps the waters at bay. God brings shape to the creation. So you have the water being held above in the firmament. You have the fountains of the deep being, you know, somehow held back. And you have land being brought forth. Then during the time of Noah, we have decreation, where all these waters break forth upon the earth. The water that was held in the firmament, the waters from the deep and underneath the earth break forth upon the surface of the earth. And so we have the opposite of what we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We get decreation in the great flood. And that's what he's talking about. And this is all by the powerful word of God. But he says, look, there, there's going to be a future phase in which it will not be water, but it will be fire. Now, even the Greeks believed this. There was some belief, you can even look at Plato, where he spoke of the world being destroyed by water, but also future, the world would be destroyed by fire. So there's this fire being stored up until the day of, of judgment, the destruction of the ungodly. Notice this destruction does not come upon the righteous, but the ungodly. 
And then he talks about the timing of all this. He says the Lord is very patient. He says, you know, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And some people have tried to apply this to the book of Genesis and creation days. And that's really stretching this. That I don't think that's what you need to do. I think Peter's point here is God is patient. He's very patient. And his patience is for repentance. Some people would look at God's patience and say, okay, well, God's not coming back. He doesn't really care. He's left us here to our own devices, but actually the patience of God is all about repentance. He wants everyone to repent. Now, there are some people that would say that everything that God wills and decrees will come to pass. We do find something here that God decrees or God wills, and it does not come to pass. God wills in this passage that all people will come to repentance. That's what God wants. He wants everyone to be saved, Every single person on this planet to be saved. But we know from other parts of Scripture and from just life experience that not all people will be saved. Some will be saved. Some will be damned. And God wills that all will be saved. But here's where I believe this this works out in your theology. God wants all people to be saved. The Father is drawing people to the Son through the cross The work of the Spirit convicts people of their sin, but people still have the free will to decide to accept or reject Christ. And because of that, because God is a God of love and he allows for this possibility for you to choose to love him, there is the horrible possibility that people will reject salvation, and that's what you see happen. So God does will for people to be saved, but also he loves us enough to make that a free choice to choose to love him and to love his son, Jesus. Now, God wants people to repent, and the day of the Lord is coming like a thief. So there's no, there's not going to be some way that you know, we can put a chart together and say, okay, we've read the signs of the times, and we know the second coming is going to happen on this day. If you ever hear people say that, then you need to run like the wind. Because Peter says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. You're not going to know it's coming. And for Christians, it's a great day. But for the ungodly, it's a day of reckoning. He says the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and all of its works will be exposed. And here the image would be that nothing is going to escape the gaze of the Lord. Everything will be laid bare before him. So all the hidden deeds and works of the Lord will be exposed and they will be dealt with. Now, there's also the the future component of the new heavens and the new earth. That there's going to be God's dwelling with man for eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. So there's debate about, is Peter talking about the complete destruction of the created order? And everything will be dissolved. You know, He talks about the elements, the stoichia, even being burned up, and that would be earth, wind, and fire, according to the ancient viewpoint. So all that's done away with. So the earth is completely destroyed, and the universe itself is destroyed because of God's intense presence. And he lays everything bare. And then we have the new heavens and the new earth. Some would say that's what Peter's talking about. Some would say, like N.T. Wright and others, that there's some type of laying bare and maybe some type of of recreation of what God always wanted to happen in God's good creation. All the the evil will be done away with and we'll receive new resurrected bodies and dwell on that new uh, earth and new heavens. And that's a possibility too. Here's the point. There's going to be a final day a day of judgment when God will set all things right. All evil will be judged. Everyone will be 
brought into account. It is his day, the Lord's day. He will be exalted. And then there will be a new heavens and new earth. There will be a resurrection from the dead, and we will be with him forever. And that's that's the basics of this passage. So I've gone long today. This is a, a pretty meaty passage, so we've gone we've gone pretty long today, but hope this has helped encourage you in your walking and given you kind of a a good biblical viewpoint of the end of times and the day of judgment. We'll hope you join us back as we continue to read through this magnificent book. God bless.